vous, excusez-moi, j'ai été transféré en quatrième 3. Va t'asseoir à côté de cette jeune fille. Speak English. And with that, welcome to um, Movie Victory, another exciting episode of all international films. And um, yeah, so I know it was a bold move of me just to play a trailer that's clearly not in English. What language is it in? Mm -hmm. Who knows? Impossible to figure out. I'll never know. <laughs> they all sound the same to us who speak English, that's for sure. Um, but that... That small um, bit was um, from Microbe and Gasoline, our movie today on Movie Victory, the only scientific-based movie podcast where we get into the science. I'm your host here, David Victory. With us, as always, is uh, guest host Huey JPEG, who just saw this movie. It's fresh. It's a fresh viewing. Yep. I also watched like the last uh, like hour or so today, so I also mm. have kind of a fresh feeling. Yeah, I had never seen it. I don't know what language it was in. I did read that the title is actually mistranslated. It's not microbe and gasoline, but in the original, I think Latvian. <laughs> Latvian. It is, uh, it's actually micro penis. <laughs> micro penis. Yeah. 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 That makes micro sense. and penis. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I saw the title in French at the end, and it, it mm -hmm. seemed pretty clear it's just microbe to gasoline. So I, I don't, I don't I, it seems mm -hmm. microbe and gasoline is a pretty direct translation of that. So I don't know. I don't well, know. I, 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 well, the jury's. <laughs> I guess the jury's out on that. The jury's out on this one. Uh, I wasn't sure. Like, I thought we would hear the names in it more. I feel like if there's a language I should know, it's probably French because it, like, whenever I watch a French movie, I don't know what's about it, but it's so much easier for me to follow along, really, compared mm -hmm. to any other language. Like, the body language, yeah. the way that words sound, like, I just can get into the mm -hmm. tonality of the performances in a way that I can't in a lot of other, um, you know, just different languages. Mm -hmm. No, I feel the same way. I, for some reason, I. Uh, I'm not sure if I've seen more French movies than other countries, but yeah, I definitely understand French as it's spoken more than any other language. Just makes sense. Yeah, this is definitely a small film. I was trying to like look at anything that I really wanted to talk about, like trivia wise. I mean, I watched this years after it came out. I was just like, you know, I love Michel Gondry. I was like, what other other movies did he do? Um, and, and so I got this from the library probably a couple of years ago and watched it and, you know, I just loved it, uh, then with just the type of story that was being told just came off very, uh, authentic to me in this very unique way of, uh, you know, there's, it's not quite reality as we, but there are some, mm -hmm. there, there are some very realistic um, parts of the story. So it's just kind of this interesting blend. But basically we have these two, I would say they're like freshmen in high school. If we're talking about like high school, yeah. like our grade level, they're like ninth graders, they're 13, 14 years old. And um, they're both kind of the outcast in the grade level. And they, 
they clearly they're like have these kind of smaller classes and um gasoline kind of comes in he's the kid uh that transfers in like midterm or whatever and mm-hmm. uh him and microbe kind of hit hit off and um microbe and gasoline are their like uh derogatory nicknames that the kids bully him by mm-hmm. so they don't really they do not like they do not care for it i guess th- it's daniel and uh theo huh. yeah yeah that's right theo yeah so it's daniel and theo and uh daniel and theo just like basically have terrible home lives they get bullied at school um they decide to build a which which i love which is what i love about this film probably the most is that they build this this house that they travel on across france uh and uh i mean it's like a go-kart right it's a go-kart with a house built around it a very small one room house yeah because that's the kind of kid logic of just like uh how are we going to get this thing a license plate oh we'll just we'll just turn it into a house nobody will know nobody can tell yeah nobody can tell you just throw the flaps down it's a house yeah we'll just park right just park if if a cop comes by which happens and it works so you know Uh yeah yeah true to reality (laughs) true to reality um but yeah so that happens and then they get into a fight whatever he they end up having to leave um the girl he likes rejects him that's the end of for the movie for being too short yeah for being too short which um relatable yeah could happen to any any young man who's just is uh-huh. uh isn't uh has got delayed uh growth or whatever you want to say but yeah pubescence yeah delayed pubescence delayed pubescence is the, is the french term for it yeah but um pubescent delay I was definitely curious of your thoughts of this film because I feel like this is something that I feel like there's a lot of movies that kind of try to capture like kids swearing and kind of being dirty and but at the same time mm-hmm. innocent. And um, I think this movie hits it out of the park. I really think it it I, it seems very scripted. I wouldn't say it's improv, but it seems very mm-hmm. authentic to what I imagine like kids think they're saying and coming off like i don't know how much i would say it's like realistic dialogue but uh it seems like um kind of how a kid would imagine they sound and you know the things that they say and right it's yeah they're they're a little naive i think they're also they definitely seem like uh amateur actors also like i don't know if they're in other stuff or not but they come off as very uh natural i guess um but yeah i mean it made me think of you know being 14 and stuff and how i just must have looked ridiculous really but you Uh, but you think you're awesome you know (laughs) yeah 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 you think you're you know better than everyone else uh but really you just look like a you know just a retarded child just a just a (laughs) An idiot teen. Yeah. I mean, there are few people on the planet that are more foolish than teenagers. And that's precisely because they do think that they know everything. I think once you, like, enter the real world at some point in your 20s, whether it's post-college or whatever, you realize that you just have no fucking clue 
what's going on. And that's a, that's a humbling thing that I think most teenagers have not reached yet. Kind of by definition. Yeah. It's like, do you, you know, just enough to be dangerous, I guess is the cliche to say. And that is kind of what teenagers are. It's like they're questioning everything and they're just kind of... Um, everything is so dramatic and uh Mm -hmm. and these characters have terrible lives (laughs) like don't get me wrong like just like with uh microbe he's got like a mom who's microbes or daniel his His stuff isn't as bad uh, as as uh the is not as bad yeah well go ahead but yeah i mean daniel still has a single parent and his mom's like involved with a cult and like can't show up to his art opening i mean daniel's not mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't have a great he's not doing great, he's not doing great. Yeah. but at least he's got like stability he's not worried about like food he's not worried about being abused by his his parents where it's like when, right. when they run away theo's parents are just kind of like don't even well, seem to notice that he's gone you know Mm-hmm. And then at the end, um, when the dad tells him that it was all his fault, I'm just like, what? Yeah, that his mom died? <laughs> yeah, your mom's dead, and it's your fault. It's like, what? Yeah, because you because you were gone. Right. And that, does I don't think he even says that, though. He doesn't say, like, she was worried sick. No, he doesn't say that, but he says it's his fault, which you're just like, how is right. it his fault? <laughs> Well, the dad's kind of a dick. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a dick from the first time we see him. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and psychologically it makes sense where when you have these two parents, his, his, like, obese mom and then the seemingly, like, they never say if the father's an alcoholic, but he comes off disgruntled. And every single thing that they say to Theo or Gasoline is, is... not condescending but like brushing him off in some way it's like everything they say is 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 to like cut him down right and so that makes sense that he's in this constant like imagination land because he just can't deal with the reality of it that's why he's always you know performing right so that makes sense to me yeah, and I think that it would be easy to say that these parents are kind of a character, but I mean, like, I've met parents like this, and this is exactly how they act. It's like, whenever, like, if I tell them about, like, a concern of their child, and be like, you know, your child has a rash, you know, they're itching a lot, it's distracting in class, you know, I, I'd probably take them to the doctor, see what's going on. And a parent who's like Theo's parents would say something like, he has a rash, he told you that? Lies. He always lies. He's always complaining about stuff that isn't really happening. And, like, I know this seems like how could a parent be like this, but I've met parents like this who every time their child is, like, complaining about realistic things, like maybe they're hungry and aren't getting enough food or they have a rash or are sick and need to go to the doctor, the parent responds with, they're complaining. (laughs) They're always complaining too much, you know, and you're just like... it's it's hard to take as a normal adult you're like how could anyone be like that but um um and that's kind of what i love about this movie rewatching it it's this very sad story but there's really this moment of like happiness in it and it's like the movie is not like i don't know if you felt sad when you watched it but like i feel like you know they they have this bond and this friendship and they kind of um 
are able to help each other in a way to give each other kind mm-hmm. of confidence and you know I think, yeah. I think it's a um, positive story yeah overall I think that uh, the bonding thing which is the majority of the movie when they're on the road trip you know right um, is definitely great I was surprised that they just send gasoline off like they send Theo away yeah as soon as like that's basically the ending as he leaves um and uh which i guess does happen i remember i think it was 10th grade there was this kid named i'll never there was this kid named mario buffalo or but it was pronounced like buffalo uh and he was like a transfer student and for whatever reason he ended up in like two or three of my classes and we were really good friends for that year. We even, like, signed up to be camp counselors, like 10th grade, you know, where you, like, go with the 5th graders, right? And it was just hilarious. It was fun. And then I don't remember if he was only there one semester or two. He might have been, like, a military family or something. Uh, and then he was just gone. I never saw him again. Yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, that does happen. And it must be weird for that kid, too. I remember a, sim- a similar thing happened to me in elementary school. There was this extremely pale kid named Damien and I remember I had seen uh, the omen and the kid's name is Damien but this was just the nicest kid in the world and I remember he was I don't remember if it was third or fourth grade but it was also one of those kids who was only at your school for like one year Mm -hmm. you know that must be so weird and hard for the kid to be moving so much you know not that that's really what happens in this one but he is a transfer student at the beginning and then he leaves at the end so no i think that's part of it i think yeah what you're saying is the reality of the film is like yeah you could say oh it's a cop out that he leaves but it's really not because this is kind of you know there's i just think that there's so many movies about um romantic relationships and there's just not as many movies about friendships anymore and and i would Mm -hmm. say that's what this movie's about it's about a friendship that didn't really last forever but these two people were kind of there for each other in this really delicate time of their lives and you know right and, it, mm-hmm. and it's coming Which of age great. too but you know i think the friendship is kind of the the core of the film and mm-hmm. uh, absolutely um and then there there is the peripheral like he has the crush on the girl who's taller than him right right Right, uh, and I actually really liked, regardless of what I thought of the film, I really liked the very ending, the last shot where she's hoping that he turns around and it switches and she, like, POV. Yeah, yeah, and you see, yeah, you're right. It's the only time we hear yeah. her internal monologue, uh, and yeah, and her voiceover is like, "I'm going to count to three, and you're going to turn around," and then he doesn't. He's like, uh, "I'm going to count to seven and kind of, and and it just ends on her, which I think is so great. Um, I did not see that coming. Although there, there were a lot of twists and turns in this movie that I did not see coming. I mean, it's very episodic. I mean, it really seems like Michelle Gondry was like, oh, what could happen next? Oh, well, I guess they could win a model plane at a drawing contest. It's like totally, <laughs> you know, unnecessary plot point. But it's, it becomes, especially on the road trip, it becomes very episodic but that's kind of what happens on road trips you know you get to a new destination and then something that you weren't expecting happens and you just kind of go with it they had to get back 
it's a, right. it's a, it, I felt like it was a little like too obvious where it's just like they have to get back. So it's of course it's a plane. A visual of a plane draws them into <laughs> to the fair, and then there's a happens to be a contest with something that the Daniel character is good at, you know. Uh-huh. And then, yeah. But it's also absurd because they they were just trying to win the model plane. They <laughs> didn't know that second. They didn't know that second place gets was a better a price. plane ticket. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and that's the thing. They got two free plane tickets, which cost way more than that model plane. Right. I mean, that model um, plane could have been expensive. It seems like re- really extravagant prizes in general for a time for twelve contest. Yeah. Yeah. For twelve. Although that girl that won, who drew a bunch of people floating on potatoes around the planet. What a talent! Yeah, I wish we would have seen more of her. <laughs> I thought that was she's she's got something special. I, you know. I know. Where can we buy her paintings? Um, but it was kind of strange how it's like, why would somebody be criticized? I felt like just the criticism of don't, don't be too on the nose. I just thought yeah. that was just such a strange <laughs> thing to be the crux yeah. of like why he failed. He was too on the nose. Uh-huh. But then too on the nose, and hers is more imaginative. I mean, I guess. I mean, you see people like holding hands around the world in a lot. I, I was thinking that. I was but like, that's a standing. Cliche. They're standing on potatoes. That is the thing she added to it, which yeah. it never Home has been done dead. before. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that in French, uh, potato is palm de terre, mm. which just means apple of the earth? Oh, cool. Palm they literally just say, "Oh, they're earth apples." Mm, nice, an it's, earth it's, apple. It's potato. Yeah, I always thought that was a very strange way to talk about potatoes. I get it. They're great. I mean, you eat an apple. Are apples, not <laughs> earth apples. <laughs> because they come out of a tree, duh. You know, the potatoes fair, are out of the yeah, ground. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> fair point. Yeah. I guess I didn't think about that. I guess they're earth apples in the sense that, like, they're plentiful. You eat them all the time. I mean, a lot of French recipes have a lot of potatoes, so I can imagine that they would hold up the potato very highly as a food group, or as a food, I guess. Um, there's a potato soup that my wife makes that uh, is Jacques Beckpen's favorite soup that's great. Wow. Yeah, so potato wow. soup is great. Mm-hmm. You know, Jacques Beckpen likes yeah. it, and um, you can make it vegan, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe for the, uh, the pedophorical rating, we should do different soups. Different soups. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, since most of them seem to be around food. Yeah. Most of those, <laughs> most of those ratings they do for sure. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't take any notes. I didn't pay attention to the, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. um, I closed my eyes when I was um, watching it. Yeah. I, I got I got in the bath and it played in the other room. I picked up a little bit of French along the way. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it did remind me, uh, regardless of what I think, you know, in terms of a Michelle Gondry film, it's definitely not my favorite. Um, but it is very cute. There's a sweetness to it and like an endearing like sentimentality to it that you're right you don't get in a lot of movies um and and yeah you're right there are not as many movies about friendship and bonding especially with youth um but i think it reminded me overall just like how restless i was as a teenager and Mm. how like like them i was just desperate to 
not just get out of the house, but like get out and explore. Yeah. And go beyond go beyond the city that you're in, you know. Uh I never went on any road trips as a teenager, but I mean, I guess I did when I ended up moving. Uh, that's not really a road trip, though. It's just kind of a long drive. Uh, but, yeah, I, I definitely... <laughs> I definitely really... <laughs> I mean, I guess you were on the road and going on a trip, but yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one-way one way trip. Um, but yeah, it was like... I related to the restlessness of it, for sure. The restlessness of the two kids and the... The feeling of of not fitting in although they they are more obviously like bullied a little bit whereas I was I was not I sort of I was an outsider but I was generally accepted as the funny guy so, but yeah anyway the restlessness I relate to for sure and I know you were you were on the outskirts of of so sociality socialness yeah, uh, I don't... As a, as a teen. I don't know if I would say I was bullied. I mean, I was often, like, str- my clothes were stolen from me, and I was forced to, like, walk naked in the school a lot, and, uh, you know... I that, don't remember <laughs> that. There was those times <laughs> that uh, people put mud in everywhere I sat down, um, so it looked mm. like I was pooping my pants. But no, I wasn't bullied. Yeah. I wouldn't say that, <laughs> you know. I I remember. I remember poopy pants victory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what kids called me. Um, yeah, what a burden of a name too. When your last name is Victor, everyone expects you. To I don't know what they expect. Right, but which is kind of to be victorious. It, Lots to live up to. It was, and I feel like that's what got me targeted. Really. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I guess uh, I do. I. I don't think it's a different kind of movie, and it is interesting. You're like when you compare it to other Michelle Gondry movies. Yeah, this wouldn't be something that you would stand out as your favorite. Um, but I did think I. I guess I was really curious about suggesting it too, because I was like, it's just something different. It's not your typical mm-hmm. um, film because it's not a big story. There's nothing really epic about this story, um, and it's mm-hmm. not really even saying anything that is so grand in scope. But that's kind of what I like about it. It's kind of a, a breath of fresh There's air. There's almost no message. There's like no message. It's like, here's let's just watch these kids do a fun thing for their summer vacation. Well, I think the message is more like what you were just saying about, you know, it sucks to be a kid. Adults, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's great things mm-hmm. about being a kid, too. But most of the time, it's anxiety-inducing, and you're never sure if you're doing the right thing. And, you know, you like a girl that doesn't like you, and she's giving you mixed singles. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you just want to exist, and you don't know what to do. And I think adults forget that, and that's why you can be kind of hard on kids, because you're like, oh, you have it easy. What do you have to worry about, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so that I guess that's if there is a message that's what I it's it's very it's tough to be a kid and um and 
in relationships can seem so meaningful when you're a kid and like i know yes like you were like it's just like when you're a kid like everything's just the end of the world like a friendship you have with somebody over a semester or a year or a crush you have on a girl even if it's just for a week Mm -hmm. it can seem like this is this doesn't work out you know what's the point of living anymore i got nothing going for me here yeah Uh uh-huh right (laughs) because i oh my god i still live with my parents (laughs) right but you're but you're 15 yeah 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 i remember i remember having a moment where because my, my little brother is like seven years younger than me, which is a significant age gap. And I was in town, I was about maybe 22 or something, uh, early 20s. And so he was then a teenager in high school. And he had a longtime girlfriend. Uh, and I saw when they broke up, I mean, he was devastated. You know, I don't know what happened. It was none of my business, but I saw, like, and I remembered, like, Jesus, I remember feeling that way about whatever girl when I was 16, who now I never think about. And it doesn't, like, I'm sure if we accidentally saw each other, we'd be like, like maybe have a laugh and then go our separate ways and it'd be totally fine. Uh, there would be no residual feelings there. Uh, not only because it was so long ago, but yeah, I... I'm only bringing this up because you do think it's the end of the world when these things happen as a teenager. Um, what did we t- so a couple episodes ago? I think we talked about uh, like how romance throughout like teenage romances in general is is just a trope throughout all of literature. You know, whether it's Romeo and Juliet or whatever, but it it I, it is because teenagers take it so fucking seriously so end of the world no exactly and um it makes sense it's like now as an adult i think about it and it's like yeah that's when you know you're reaching the peak of just like hey you need to populate (laughs) you know you could Uh you could die so get out there and mate with somebody and spread your seed like like Mm -hmm. i guess now i definitely don't at the time, like just being religious, I definitely was like, "Oh, I'm just, I'm so sinful, I'm fighting the devil." Uh, but now, now I'm like, oh, "No, just your kid, and that's um, just evolution for you. You're supposed to go out and mate with as many people as possible, and yep. it's it's tough. It's tough. I I can't speak to what it's like being a girl. I'm sure it's just as tough, if not more tough. Um, but being a guy, it is definitely tough having all of those um testosterone i can't talk and going through just you're just so emotional in ways that you never have been before and um Mm -hmm. you don't really know what you're supposed to do to be accepted by everyone let alone your parents or your peers it's just kind of like you're just starting to figure out that people don't all like you (laughs) <laughs> like maybe is yeah. is that what is that what it's, I've never thought about that but is, is that what it is though like right around 12 or 13 you start to figure out that there's people out there that think you're a jerk you know <laughs> right uh or or don't like you for even worse reason like if you're a jerk it makes sense if people don't like you but uh some people just don't like the way you look right i'm just saying yeah there's you can do about yeah, that there's, you know there's, um, there's people that aren't buying what you're selling whatever it is yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I I still have 
feelings about that. Like, I don't put myself out there very much just because I've always been a very divisive character, whether it's with uh, friends or roommates, certainly with coworkers. Um, you know, pe people that like me tend to really like me, you know, and then I can open up and be, you know, a little more vulnerable and, you know, uh, bonding and advice and all this kind of stuff. But, and then it seems, so that's like 30% of people, maybe, that might be generous even. And then there's another 30% that really don't like me, <laughs> uh, whether it's my sense of humor or just the general way I go through the world. Uh, and then the other 30% just seem very skeptical and kind of like, I don't know about that guy. Uh, and it's been that way my whole life, you know, and that's something I still deal with is like now, you know, I had a rule when I, when I was working at the library and I would, you know, get promoted or transferred to a different department. And this was a very conscious thought was I'm not going to establish my personality for as long as possible. I'm going to work and I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to do my thing. Uh, and sometimes it would take a month, sometimes it would take six months, but eventually I would feel comfortable enough to start making jokes or, you know, complain about such and such thing at the, you know, some bureaucratic thing at the library. Uh, and then the process would happen again where like some people would really like that I would call out bullshit. Other people would very much not like it. And so I, I've always been this very divisive character and that was definitely true as a teenager it sort of came to a peak i think um it's kind of crazy that you're talking about this i've actually written about this recently and um i've definitely thought about this more uh, i've come to the realization that it's really just our personalities and that mainstream society really wants a specific positive extrovert personality that's the personality that people so quote unquote think is the right personality and pretty much what you're describing is something i deal with that i think all introverts deal with which is you know you're you're being you're being oppressed by mainstream society and our culture because that you're not the personality that our culture really um celebrates and um thrives on yeah and it's sad because it's only recently that i was reading a book that talked about how in other cultures our personality is the dominant personality that gets the promotions and that people like mm -hmm. you know but it just so happens what culture to... is that <laughs> yeah i know i want to move there <laughs> yeah. I, I don't i don't remember off the top of my head but it was like just talking yeah, yeah. about how different conflict personalities and like in some cultures the person who questions authority and um has lively discussion and cares about those things those people are promoted and then there's the person who's docile and just kind of agrees with the general flow and those people are promoted you know and our culture is the one where it's the person who's just kind of the yes person who who yeah do what you're told, do what you're told and you're happy about it that's not oh, something yeah. that we've ever been but it is uh if you are curious anybody but it's uh the the book that i read that talks about that it's one of the uh uh homo deuce guys books which i really liked which he kind of talks about like the all of civilization and he has three books and um just talks like it it's really it's really interesting um uh, i'm trying to remember which one there's homo deuce a brief history of tomorrow 
lessons for the 20th century and sapiens is the first one and he just talks about different cultures throughout um throughout all of civilization actually um who is this who is this author his name is um yoval noel harris he's a he's from university in jerusalem i'm sure i'm mispronouncing his name um yeah but yeah, I I would recommend his stuff. I like it. Um, uh, but he yeah, and he also talks a lot about like the happiest index, so, like basically how to figure out um, what culture is the happiest. And he talks about like what makes you happy, like making money or having kids, and like all of that kind of stuff that I think is really fascinating. Because it, a lot of, and I don't want to do confirmation bias, but like a lot of the times, you know, you're more willing to agree with something when you're like, oh, that kind of sounds right to you. Um, mm. But I guess my feelings of it is like people, you could only be so happy. <laughs> so like you, you reach a peak of happiness. And so it's like, mm-hmm. are poor people happier or, or sadder than rich people or healthy people <laughs> happier than uh, overweight people or people with chronic health? health illness it's like that kind of stuff does interest me um mm-hmm. a lot um because it is it is surprising how little like pretty much your personality is what's dominant like whether or not you're happy or not it's about you it mm-hmm. really doesn't have much to do with your circumstances which circumstance which i think yeah. is crazy but yeah well there's a that makes that reminds me of a quote that i heard that i really like or i'm paraphrasing i don't remember the quote but it was it was actually just pointing out the root word, like the etymology of happiness, mm-hmm. uh, which is happening. And the quote was something like, happiness is much simpler than most people think. You know, this idea of the pursuit of happiness is actually absurd uh, because ac- actual happiness is not some ideal. Uh, happiness is being okay with what's happening around you that's an interesting way to say uh, it yeah yeah and they're like that's why the root word is from happenstance or whatever um and so happiness is derived from just being okay with the the general immediate world around you um it sort of it reminds me of something my grandma said that i never forgot uh which she didn't coin this this is a general idiom but she said uh it's not about what happens to you it's how you handle it Right. And so I think about that quite a bit. Um, but. Uh, and this is not to dismiss the terrible things that happen to people. And I'm not trying to yes. blame people if they're unhappy with real life circumstances, because that certainly does happen. And perfectly happy people are drone, drove to suicide that they normally wouldn't mm-hmm. be. I mean, all that kind of stuff does happen. Absolutely. Um but when I think about my own happiness, and I'm sure, like, when you think about your own happiness, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think about all this. And it does relate to this movie because it was that when I was, especially when I was younger, I was just, like, I felt like I needed something to be happy. Like, there was something I didn't have that was out there, you know. And I feel like this movie kind of captures that feeling of just not belonging, not having what you want, not being understood, and I'll tell you what, I'm, I still don't have a lot of those things. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like if, if mm-hmm. I feel like there's a few people in this world that understand me and 
I'm okay with that, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's not something that you can reasonably ask of the world. And, um, it is kind of a conscious choice to be like, you know, I'm just not going to let it bother me. It's okay. You know, don't take anything personally. Yeah. I was actually just reading like the four, these like four principles. And, and of course the last one, don't take anything personally because you really, can't. Oh, the four agreements. Yeah. The four agreements. Yeah. The four agreements is great. Yeah. I, I think about well, I, th- I think it, I don't remember if it's the first or second one, but the everyone's in their own daydream, mm-hmm. so don't take anything personally, right? That's I think I that's think the that fourth one. All the time. Yeah, that's that's is such it? a hard. one. It's like first is the first one is like your word is impeccable. Like basically, don't be right. light with mm-hmm. anything you say. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember the other two, but I remember those. Right. Um, uh, I can I can find it real quick. Um, but I'm reading that book. Yeah, right the now. four agreements yeah. is great. Yeah, it's one that I've wanted to revisit. It's like I have a copy, and I've been meaning to revisit it for, well, for a while. But yeah, be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personal. <clears throat> is the second one. Oh, I thought those were. Um, and uh, this is, I think, one of the harder three is don't make assumptions. Right. Don't make assumptions. Very, yeah. You know, I've I'm very much someone who's in their imagination a lot, and so. That's what I do. You want an explanation. Yeah. It's not even that, like, it, it doesn't have to be, I don't know about explanation, because explanation implies there's, like, some meaning in the world or something, and I don't know if I believe that. Oh, by the way, the fourth one is always do your best. Always do your best. Which is also... That's a great one. Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, I think about the, everyone's in their own personal daydream, so don't take anything personal. I think about that all the time. Uh, especially if I am bothered by someone or something or something somebody said, you know, there's this, there's this other idea of like, you kind of choose what you're irked by. Uh, like you, you let, you decide in some way to let things bother you. Um, which, you know, if I sort to start to spiral out and think about a certain situation or a certain type of person who pissed me off at one point, I found just recently too, I found that uh, I'll just say the phrase like "put it down," and I'll that for some reason, you know, that phrase may not work for everyone, but for some reason, when I start to get on a thought train that I don't want to be on because of the way it makes me feel, for whatever reason, I'll just think "put it down," and that seems to work at least for a time, you know, because the thoughts are going to keep coming. Um, but usually I'll be able to go to something else. Uh, but yeah, choosing what you're irked by, I think, relates to something you were just... Don't take anything personally, is what you said. Yeah, no, um, these things are hard to do, and especially for somebody who... I do feel like like our personalities are personalities that people are kind of trained to dislike. And so I've definitely met people throughout my life who just something about you. I don't like, you know, and I know you have mm-hmm. to, it's like, I'm not doing anything specifically they can point to it's. And they and normally the criticisms come out with like my attitude or my tone of voice. Cause they can't be specific with what they, what it mm-hmm. is they don't like about me. That stuff's tough. But then are you going to, what are you going to spend your whole life just being mad at people for misunderstanding you? And you know, it's, right. it's like, well, how is that helping you? And so, yeah, I mean, I very rarely feel understood, you know, I, mean, I think that's why we became friends in high school too, is because we were both so clearly on the outside right. of whatever the social <laughs> right. 
variety. But I forget what word am I but trying to say? Like in all seriousness, like both like socially very popular, but but not at all like uh, in a normal way of being popular or right. or ex- we did okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, whatever his pop popularity is, but yeah, like not, but I mean, like not at all outcast. I would say in any kind of traditional way that you could imagine. Right. Like I was never, you know, people weren't mean to me. It's not like I wasn't like invited mm-hmm. to do things or I didn't have like opportunities with the opposite sex. I didn't deal with any of that. It just like still, still felt like an outsider in every social circle yeah. I was in, but. Yeah. I mean, I did get bullied at a young age in like fifth or sixth grade Yeah, in private Catholic school prior to going. And then when I went to public school, the like one person that I knew from kindergarten was friends with like the quote unquote popular like skater kids. And so I was just like day one, I was just like anointed mm-hmm. where I was like accepted. And I remember thinking it was so absurd that I just went from being kind of ruthlessly bullied for weeks at this tiny Catholic school and then literally day one of public school, it was just like, I was fine. And I think I realized like the absurdity, it gave me a weird perspective of like what it is to be popular. And that is something that I've often, like when you were talking about, it's like, yeah, the, the bipolarness of how people respond to you up completely. Mm -hmm. Like I've been in rooms where I'm by far the most popular person. I can't say anything wrong. People are laughing and I've been in rooms where people all hate me you know and if i say something people mm-hmm. are like man you know i get comments like this, this fucking i know i can't believe how dare he open his mouth and i'm i'm doing nothing differently you know <laughs> right right, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, um. which is kind of as a kid that's really hard and for me it was like the small homeschooler christian group was was not i mean they were kind of like forced to be my friends but they didn't really like me and it kind of came out mm-hmm. in these kind of awkward ways of just not really getting along with everyone else and then yeah whenever i went to regular school it's not like i was uniformly liked or anything but i was able to meet people that did like me and like i had much better Mm -hmm. overall relationships with people um in high school versus and i kind of figured out like i do better in a big group i'm like i want to which i'm kind of like i'm kind of mad at the school i'm at now it's too small i would be better like if like a 2000 person high school where i can kind of get lost a little bit easier um but well there's just i mean it's a percentage thing too i mean you know the tiny private catholic school i went to there was 20 kids in the grade right like 10 boys 10 girls you know and then yet going to public school where like you said there's 2000 it's just you know law of averages that somebody's gonna think that you're funny Right. And you'll find your people. And I feel like that is certainly what I loved about high school in general. I know there's a lot of people that didn't like high school. I had a fine time in high school. It wasn't terrible. Um, eighth grade and middle school was kind of hard for me. That was like my transition year. But um, high school was, was really fine. Um, yeah, mine was, mine was the summer between fifth and sixth grade is when... Because there was a terrible thing that happened at the Catholic school I went to where, like, kids would get bullied and then their parents would take them out. And then of the kids that were left, they would just pick the next door. Like, I was just the next one on the totem pole, mm. like, the, the most likely to get bullied. And so, yeah, that just happened. But then, yeah, once I got to public school, and especially by high school, although I wouldn't say, or I didn't feel popular, 
I was definitely able to go to all different groups, whether it was the, the stoners or the skaters or the jocks or the, uh, you know, the cute girls uh, of very, you know, whether it was the goth girls or the cheerleaders or whatever. I was always, I had like a passport to all of that just because I had a sense of humor. And so I was sort of allowed in these different, I never had a group of friends, but I was allowed to hang out with other people's groups of friends. You know what I mean? Um, no, I think you, but still you know, always on the outside. I always felt outside because of that. I think you were probably more successful doing that than me. But yeah, I was very similar in the sense that like, yeah, I just would hang out in different social groups, but never really felt like it was my group, which is kind of annoying, especially when like sometimes I did have friends and then they like my friends became friends with other people and then they became better friends than mm -hmm. we were. And it's just kind of like mm -hmm. what happened. But like, I feel like that was yeah. that's always been my problem is that. I don't know how to maintain long-term friendships with people or like get past that like early stage of just kind of like joking around or whatever and like transition right. to a more regular friendship never been able to really um I mean I guess now I don't really have to because I'm an adult but like now it is kind of something about myself I accept though like sometimes if people which doesn't really happen very often. But, like, if somebody does, like, oh, you know, there's a work thing and we're doing a barbecue or whatever, I'll just not go and just say, eh, I don't, I don't want to go. Because, yeah. because I'm like, I know generally people aren't having a good time with me being around and I would be other be mm -hmm. doing other mm -hmm. things. So what are we doing here, <laughs> you know? Yeah, this happened to me is <clears throat> at the library where, like I said, I was sort of a very divisive character, like most situations I was put in in my life, especially at jobs, I noticed. Uh, once my personality would finally come out, actually probably a good example of that is, do you remember an office space where there's like five bosses? Sure. And that's the way it is at this particular department of the library I worked at. There's this like toxic matriarchy where there's like three women, actually there's, there's five, and they all like hate each other, but they all pretend to be nice to each other. And it's a very weird environment. Just the example was that most of like three out of three of them really, really did not like me because I would call out bullshit. And then one lady uh, who's great, who has a sense of humor, loved that I called out bullshit. And we were good friends. You know, she would like you know, she would like help me out, like sort of on the down low, be like, oh, hey, by the way, they're hiring in this department, you should apply. Uh, and so she was cool. And then there was the fifth one who like, again, just seemed kind of skeptical and like didn't fuck with me. And I think that's a, that's a good ratio of how my life has gone. Is like, <laughs> the three people in charge don't like me, but one person in charge really likes me. And then the other person in charge is just like, I don't know about that guy, you know? And it's kind of just been that way for a long time. I feel like my I can win people over in the short term pretty easily, but mm -hmm. like I think what you said, eventually my personality comes out, and <laughs> they are not a fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this actually happened. I mean, as as you know from last episode, I went on an ayahuasca retreat. Right. Uh, and this is actually a little micro example of of what we're talking about, where of course it's all a bunch of people I don't know. And the first day or night, I was like, very, I just kept to myself. I was very private, very, you know, 
I think most people will probably say shy, but really I was just feeling introverted and like, you know, didn't feel like it. That is strange how like somebody could describe like really either one of us is shy when like we, we choose not to talk. It's like, it's, it's not mm-hmm. what it's about at all. It's not shyness. <laughs> it doesn't, because like... shyness is a very particular feeling. Right. Sometimes, you, you know, like that's what it frustrates. Uh, I want you to tell you a story, but that is what's frustrating. I'm mm. like, if you're an introvert, you get energy from being by yourself. So when you want to be by yourself, it's not because you're like, F everybody else, you know, I'm uh-huh. forget you guys. Uh-huh. It's it's because it's right. like, you know, I, I just need low energy. I need to just kind of <laughs> get mm-hmm. some energy again and then I can go do social things again. But do that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, go, and, go ahead. Oh, no, just that I was. Uh, mostly kept to myself for the first like 36 hours and one of the I don't know if this happens to you but one of the more annoying things uh, being like you know a somewhat handsome man and also being generally quiet in social settings is it makes people curious and want to talk to you right it, it like provokes this this actually came up in only lovers left alive where he's like, you know, being all mysterious and private just makes people want to talk to you more. And he's like, yeah, what a drag. Yeah, no, I completely, like, I feel like I've definitely gone to bars and, like, tried to do homework and read, and people do come up and talk, oh, what are you reading? What are you doing? It's like, what What do you, right. do you really think I came which, out here? by the way. came out here to talk to people? Yeah, but, which, by the way, is such a faux pas. That's such a pet peeve of mine. To anyone listening, if anyone listens to this, <laughs> If you see someone reading in public, don't fucking talk to them. What do you think they're, they're doing? They're reading. <laughs> yeah. They're reading. You're just going to interrupt. They're just going to have to restart the paragraph. It's not a... Co- it's, it's such a pet peeve. It's not a conversation piece. That we're not going out there being like, I hope someone asked me what I'm reading. Then I can really meet a friend right. today. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if someone is if someone is reading a book, just treat it like if you saw someone wearing giant headphones in public. You don't go up and talk to them. This is it. And I think, I wonder if this is because a lot of the population just doesn't read. And certainly, and so they don't know that when you're reading a book, you're in it and you don't want to be fucking spoken to. But yeah, I've had many, you know, I've had roommates that do this and all sorts of stuff. And it's just like, dude. Anyway, so, but I'm, I'm choosing to be irked by this, obviously. Uh, but it's such a peeve of mine. Oh, um, don't that talk is to people that are reading. We, we sh- shouldn't take it personally because i do get yeah. that an extrovert would see that like as a call for help like an extrovert's mind says oh my god somebody's <laughs> reading a book they they need someone to talk oh, to that's so sad. yeah come talk to them quick i know the only time i would pick up yeah. a book in public is if i was just so desperate you know you know mm-hmm. so you know what i've noticed unlike in the movies when someone talks to you when you're reading they never say what are you reading Ever, they just start a conversation. Like I, in my life, at least, I've had several people I, ask me, "What are you reading?" Right. But then I, they roll I right I over the, that question. You know? Yes, yeah. they don't care. Yeah. yeah, they're not actually interested. Um, I've had some so people that have really acted interested, and I'm just like, have had this attitude of like, "What do you care?" What I'm reading, <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. and this person, right. I still remember this person was very defensive. It's like, well, I'm starting to teach young adults, and I'm just curious what other people are reading. I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. you're you're not just all trying right. to talk me, talk to me right now. Well, I... all right, have a good night. <laughs> yeah. Right. What was I gonna? There's a. 
Oh, just the, at this retreat thing. Right. I was very quiet and private, and un, unfortunately, that adds an air of mystery to the, who's the one guy who's like not socially participating, you know. Uh, and the second day, I opened up a little bit more to like select people. It also didn't help that I knew the two people who were running the thing, you know, the quote-unquote shamans. And so I, like, so they, so, like, during the ceremony, you know, everyone's, like, you know, high as shit on their little, you know, yoga mats or whatever. And they're, like, going in and checking up on people and, like, blowing sage on them and shit. And uh, just, like, checking in when they're at. And you'll, you'll like this, actually. This is funny. So everyone had... Uh, so it was, like, a really cool cabin in the woods, and there's, like, a fireplace, which has, like, the altar, right? Um, and there were all the, there were all these, like, yoga mats or inflatable beds all in a row. And then I just took the couch, <laughs> which was over on the side of the room. I was like, no, I'm gonna sit there. Uh, and I, that was just my spot all weekend. So I'm, like, slightly elevated above everybody. Because <laughs> you know that you weren't supposed to sit there. That's why you think it's funny. I just like I feel yeah. like I've started to resist those urges. <laughs> like, just, yeah. Well, here's what happened: is, is they funny, had though. a yoga mat. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. yeah. They had a yoga mat to the side of the altar, right. and I like I was like it was like one of those open spaces, and I was like looking at it from the top of the stairs, and there's all these you know yoga mats in a row, and I'm like oh, I don't want to be in the row. I don't want like two people on either side of me, you know. Not just if they're trying to talk to me, but like you know people purge like I don't want somebody throwing up two feet next to me I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one on the side uh but the one on the side I I sat there for maybe 20 minutes and then three feet away there was the couch and I was like yeah I'm going over there and then it just became my spot uh but it was funny because I bring all this up because then the the shamans they would go check on everyone and they came over, and everyone's like, you know, oh my god, it's so, I'm seeing the light, and oh, or, oh, I feel nauseous, or whatever. And then they came over to me, and I'm just sitting there, you know, a little high, and I'd be like, hey, how's it going? And then they would sit down, we would just have a normal conversation, like we were buds. And so it was such a contrast to everyone else, and so it, I feel like the way I handle situations, you know, that are comfortable for me, because I'd much rather not treat the person like a shaman, and be like, hey... How's it going? Saw you were in a trance over there. What was that about? Yeah. You know, like, and have a sense of humor about it. But unfortunately, that makes you stand out. Uh, so it's like, if I express myself comfortably, uh, it makes people want to talk to me. And that's really annoying. <laughs> no, I, I get, I feel like a lot of people look from the outside and it's like, oh, you want attention. But it's like, really, you're just trying to act in the most normal, most comfortable way. And it's like, it just happens mm -hmm. to draw attention because it's not what a lot of other people are doing. And it is frustrating because you have these like micro decisions of like, <laughs> do I try to figure because you're never quite sure what what you're supposed to do like you look around in those situations you're like I think this is what they want me to do I could just do that but I'm like I'm not 100% mm -hmm. like you're trying to weigh those decisions um, and it is and that's hard. why being quiet is such a good option exactly sometimes just being quiet which I have a hard time with because I just love to throw down love to get into it with anyone mm -hmm. anyone verbally which mm -hmm. is just really a bad habit as an adult as an adult that i've kind of realized has not been helping me in my life really right. really right. it's just I, yeah 
I don't know. I think in most social situations, I definitely, unless I know the people, I find it very hard to open up among new people. You know, I've never been the type that will like go to the bar or the party and like make new friends. See, I can do that uh, because it's really impossible for me to really open up to people. Like, I guess I don't know. Like, if you maybe oh, so see, it stays on the surface. It level always does. Kind of like, I can't like mm. <laughs> like the concept of like truly opening up to someone is such a foreign concept to me to me i don't even know mm -hmm. how i would go about it uh so, so, like mm -hmm. so i guess i'm not afraid of that <laughs> you know if if anything i mean it's like it's kind of a superpower because it's like i can f embarrass myself and i don't notice it doesn't bother me at all where it's like most mm -hmm. people can feel embarrassed but it's like for me because i never really feel like i'm truly being authentic like i don't have an embarrassment level you know Mm. I, I don't get embarrassed easily, but I think uh, I definitely prefer the more, like, vulnerable, intimate conversation. You know, we've talked about, like, dating apps and stuff before, which is can, can be a stark contrast to this social environment that we're talking about. But, like, I can, I can go to, a, you know, a, a party or a gathering or whatever and say very little while I'm there, right? And yet, I can invite a stranger over and, you know, sit in bed and have very long conversations. And I'm totally comfortable with that. So, yeah, I think opening up in the... Not that I can't do small talk, because I can, you know, because you have to in a lot of situations. But I definitely lean more towards the, uh, the medium talk, I'm going to say. Not necessarily, like, de really deep conversations all the time. But definitely not small. Somewhere in between small talk and deep convo, I'm going to call medium talk. And I think I lean into that quite a bit. But microbe and gasoline. I, I, I don't, did you have anything else where you wanted to add about your trips and like it was odd, you were just talking to the shamans like normal? Oh yeah, well I mean that was kind of chill actually, that they would come over and check on me and then they would just kind of hang out. But that did make, that did other me in the eyes of everyone else because they weren't like just sitting down next to like they were like crouching and making sure people were okay after they purged or whatever uh and you know saying reassuring things and they would come over to me and just sort of hang out for a few minutes and so and to their credit i think they knew that that's what i preferred uh but yeah it did it othered me in a weird way um but I think you're right where you were talking about the attention thing, you know, if somebody's reading, a, the absurdity of if someone's reading a book in public, they want attention. And it's like, no, they absolutely want to be left alone. But that's what an extrovert um, would think, because that's how an extrovert would act. Right. And that's, that's the whole problem. And in our society, well, the extroverts is considered normal. And so anything that's other right. is like... Right. It's not misunderstood. Right. Um, but I mean, a, attention is not only something I don't crave, it's something I, like, actively avoid. I mean, really, like, even at the, the retreat this weekend, a lot of the time, whether it was before the ceremony or during, I was just, like, going upstairs and, like, reading in my room, you know? Or I, like, I took a... <laughs> when I was super high on Saturday night, and they don't, like, call it... They tell you not to call it being high, you know, it's an altered state... It's not a drug, it's medicine. When you were right? super altered um, state, I guess. <laughs> when I was super altered state. Um, 
I literally just like I was like I don't want to sit here anymore and I just went upstairs and like drew a bath and just like had a bath because I just wanted to be alone too I didn't want to be around these people who were like throwing up in buckets um you are not selling this experience but it sounds no. awful well let me let me say I, constantly I will be say around people that are vomiting it seems it wasn't constant there's like a round of that happening about an hour in right. you purge but then you're high for another like seven hours um i will i will put it this way um as far as ayahuasca which i'd done before but not for many years i think i did it end of 2014 beginning of 2015 i did it a couple times um but i'd never that was just a one-off that i did like twice i'd never done a full weekend right and the times i had done it before a few years ago it was very mild and it was a very gentle experience uh which is why i wanted to try it again some years later uh however this person's particular brew was very strong very potent and have you i mean i see that you're vaping right now uh i know i want everyone to know that david victory is about that vape life i'm not vaping this is just you a this vaping. is just a pen this is just a normal pen it's just a, it's just a stick of cinnamon <laughs> a... that i like to chew on um but have you ever uh eaten an edible like a weed weed brownie no Oh, well then you're not going to know what I'm talking about. It, it, sometimes edibles are way too strong and you're just incapacitated. And Have you ever been too high? I'm asking. <laughs> I guess I don't really want to talk about this like on the record. I feel like it would be, oh, too, it'd be okay. too easy for people to be like, oh, you said these things. Um, oh, okay. And um, this is well, just I personally... my personal paranoia, which I never, sure. I never will talk about anything that I do that I feel like people will misconstrue. Sure. Which I appreciate your honesty talking about it. Sure. And let's be clear, that paranoia does come from me. <laughs> but <laughs> could be a side effect. Uh, but I'll never, yeah, I'll yeah. never um, say. Yeah. I'll never admit. <laughs> yeah. It. yeah. Um, I'm just gonna say my fear. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, anyway, the ayahuasca to me was the equivalent of like, I ate a weed brownie, which is something I never do because the times I've done it, it was way too intense and I did not enjoy myself. You're eating too much. Um, you gotta take smaller bites. I've done that. Uh, and it's, it's not my favorite feeling. Okay. I'll put it that way. Um, and it was like that to me. It was not in any way revelatory. Not that I was expecting any sort of epiphany, you know, or life alteration or anything. Um... But one does hope for that sort of thing to be nice to occur. You know, it'd be nice. Uh, but really, all it did was tell me what I already knew, which was like, "Wow, you got you got a real identity crisis going on there." And like, "Hey, you you know, you should exercise." It was just like it was things I already knew, but it just like made it that much clearer, right? And so the third night, I actually requested. I was like, "I don't want to be super high," and they're like, "Don't call it high." I was like, "I don't want to be altered state tonight." Uh, I was like, can I just do like a little microdose, like a threshold amount? And they were like, yeah, that's fine, whatever you think you need. And that was actually the best night. I didn't get high, I just had a very comfortable call, like I went to sleep, very like, in a very mild calm, uh, and it was great. And if I do it again, I think I will just do a much smaller amount. Um, I also just don't like throwing up, I mean, who does, right? But. Uh, Anyway, so that was my experience. It was a lovely cabin in the woods. You know, I went for a walk. 
uh, um, the pine trees and all this stuff was great. Um, you know, by the, by the third day, I had opened up more to people. Um, but I think for an introvert, there is also that it takes that amount of time where you have to sort of, you know, like at work, it take, might take me a month to get comfortable around people. But when you're around people for a three-day weekend, you know, it, it happens a little quicker, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's true for you, but I, for me, there's like a period of adjustment to new people before I can actually, you know, be myself around them. I felt like I always uh, killed at summer camps. That was just the right amount of time <laughs> for me to uh-huh. get around people, be mysterious, it's get funny. them into me. Uh-huh. By the third day, I'm everyone's friend, then I just ride it and then never right. see them again. <laughs> Best friendships I've ever uh-huh. had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually never went to summer camp as a kid. I was a counselor once, oh, really? which I mentioned earlier. But, yeah, I never never had that experience. Um, you missed out. Great friendships. Yeah, I bet. I think so. I did. I met people um, that, like, just really, you know, we were best friends for that week or two weeks or whatever. That summer, yeah. 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 Uh, that's great. Um, yeah, I think I have a delayed thing with, with opening up to people. I also resent the whole mysterious thing. But it's not something you control. Uh, just, it's just it is what it is. No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess I had never anyway. even thought about it before about the mysterious thing. I guess for me, it was always just like I like just people watching when I'm in a new environment. I just like seeing what uh-huh. everybody does and kind of keeping to myself for a little bit before I'll kind of talk and say anything. I wanna I wanna get everybody's mm-hmm. personalities figured out. Um, right. You know, it actually, I actually got called out on it uh, publicly one time mm-hmm. where I did this, I did this poetry reading thing, which was hosted by someone who I dated many years ago. And she was nice enough to invite me to, to read at this thing. And, um, and everyone like does their little intro. Hi, this is my name. And this is blah, blah, blah. blah. And I didn't, I really dislike doing that. I'd rather just go up, read the thing. If people like it, that's great. And then I leave. Uh, and I got, I, it was my turn. And I said, I was like, I'm not going to do an intro. And that's it. That was my intro. And then the host was like, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, be all mysterious. And I was like, you <laughs> That's like, what literally you literally called me yeah. up. No, I'm just saying that's what uh, happens. Because if an extrovert yeah. did that, they would be doing it for a reason because they love talking about themselves. That's what it's like. That's the disconnect. Um, yeah. Um, but it's also it was also kind of amusing because, like I said, I did date this person for a while. Uh, and so she knows me. Like, I'm not mysterious to her. You know what I mean? Um, but it was still, like, kind of a fuck, you know, like, God damn it. Don't don't put me on blast like that. Uh, I forgot about that. That's funny. Anyway. Yeah, let's get um, back to the movie. I will say. Yeah. I mean, I've enjoyed talking about other things. I mean, I do like the movie. Um, but I mean, I guess there's not the a ton. Mo- the movie's always a ton to talk the about. Movie's always kind of a jump off point. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I felt like this movie is kind of exactly what I thought. I knew we would have a lot to talk about, which is kind of this period in our lives and growing up and feeling like kind of an outcast and um, 
you know, mm-hmm. I feel like there's more novels that are famous for stories like this. I guess you'd, you'd like think, oh, okay, this is like Catcher in the Rye mm-hmm. or Portrait of an Artist as a Young Man or or Damien or Siddhartha or something like that. But uh, oh, Damien, Damien is so good. Yeah. In my memory, I haven't read it in a decade. But, Me too. I feel like yeah. it's one I need to read. Because I definitely don't like yeah. that kind of writing anymore. So I'm, I haven't read, reread any of his Herman, stuff. Herman Hesse? Well, just like the his abstractness in his writing. And I read parts of Siddhartha because mm. I was like thinking about, oh, I want to teach Siddhartha um, mm. in a math class. Just to be clear. <laughs> for for math reasons so i was i was looking through siddhartha and i was just like ah this writing and just like you know i I guess it just when i was younger i used to it's like a fairy tale i guess is all Mm -hmm. i'll say for his style um but yeah i'm curious to reread that damien because i thought that was like a a mind-blown epiphany book when i read it when i was younger i was like this is the best version of the story and so yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah um yeah, I. There was a period where I read a bunch of Herman Hesse books. I definitely read Siddhartha and Damien. And then, did you ever read Steppenwolf? I did. Steppenwolf was great, and it has that like it's line good, about yeah. dancing where you're like, "What?" And it's our. I don't remember. I remember that. thinking that it's very much like Mulholland Drive. I don't don't know hmm. if that's. But I don't. I actually don't remember. I remember that I read it. Wasn't there like a mysterious was, uh, box of some kind in, in a theater in Mulholland Drive? Yeah, yeah. There's the the blue. Yeah, the blue cube, that's in yeah. Steppenwolf too. Yeah, is yeah. It? I'm pretty sure huh. if I'm not misremembering. I think that's sort of an ancient. Yeah, that's sort of an ancient. Symbol. Well, the Pandora box um, is, but like specifically, like with the theater too. Like that's where I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's step because it's the Steppenwolf theater, I guess is the. Right. Yeah, I actually don't remember. St- I remember liking it, but I read a bunch of yeah Hesse books at the time. I think I also read um, like Journey to the East beneath the wheel like some of the shorter ones mm-hmm. and they all have kind of blurred together um and i remember i stopped reading it once i read journey of the east because i was like this is just the same shit in a different book um which sometimes happens with authors but yeah damien is one i've wanted to revisit for a while and have not gotten around to maybe it. for our um, companion book podcast um we should do the <laughs> a, a, we reread books i feel like that would just take too long i don't know yeah yeah that's such an investment plus there's so much stuff i want to read yeah anyway well just to stay focused i guess i feel like i yeah i gotta do the audiobooks the physical reading to keep up on my reading for sure um Mm -hmm. i do have to leave Um, relatively soon we should probably rate this movie yeah yeah let's do the ratings uh i'm gonna my personal rating is definitely an equals it's it's a movie (laughs) for sure uh it's it's fun i i think i maybe and we talked about the whole expectation leads to disappointment thing i think that came up um and i think i was expecting like a super goofy gondry movie where like every scene is like some crazy creative shot you know uh but and it's but it's just a nice cute little folksy movie uh and really the only gondry-esque thing is the the house car you know because um, he's such a DIY kind of guy um, but it's good I like it but yeah I'm going to give it an equals yeah I guess um, 
I, I feel like I like it a little bit more than you do. I think it's definitely a plus for me. I think it's just maybe the kind of story. I think it's kind of... I don't think there's a lot of movies I can call to that have done this story better. And that's kind of why it's a, a plus for me personally. Um, because it is this, it's a hard tone to capture and it is kind of an energy. And I guess I liked hearing you kind of getting your response from it was, I felt like was what ultimately why I wanted you to see it. Cause I do think it, it carries that. And there are other movies that people would say, um, kind of have a similar story to this. Like, I think there's of like the classics of, uh, you know, like an ET or a stand by me. And I guess for, for me, I think like a film like this does a, such a better job of capturing that innocence, but at the same time, like vulgarity and like just mm-hmm. um, desire to do something, but not really sure what that is. What? <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. for that, for that, I think That's it's true. a plus, but I understand, I guess I like I like your comments, so I'm like, you know, whatever your rating is, I think you got out of it what I got out of it anyway, so I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it definitely made me reflect on that age right. bra- bracket, which I don't think about very much at all. I know, it's crazy. Uh, like, now you're just... I was just, like, th- writing about that this morning. It's like, even though you know those other versions of yourself existed, it's still you're not quite sure, <laughs> you know? It's like mm-hmm. still you just believe in the version of yourself now. It's hard for you to accept that you were once 12 and 13. Or, right. yeah, and we're... I think, if anything, I think I was much more... And I think this was being very restless in the Midwest. I think I was... I don't want to say brave, but I was, I was more reckless. I was more willing to do something that I knew I would get in trouble for just to see if I could get away with it. And now as an adult, I'm, I don't want to say I'm reluctant, but it's like I could get arrested. Right. The stakes are you bigger know? now. <laughs> yeah, the stakes are higher. Yeah. 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 So you got to be a little more careful. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it definitely made me reflect on my, my wild teen years, uh, which is good. It's good to think about different eras of your life. All right. I'm, um, I'm going to speed up to the scientific review. Um, the <laughs> scientific review... Uh, kind of a surprise it was a negative and um yeah huh. i i don't get it i definitely don't think it's a negative um wherever you come into this film but um why do you think that is uh, i don't know do you think it's the maybe it doesn't understand the tone i did talk to my friend oh. about the audit and um you know oh, it, right. he is working on it uh so far mm-hmm. um he's got some other films he's auditing first he's going through gone with the wind right now so i don't know how long uh-huh. that's going to take him but that seems to be his priority over um the international films that i asked him to audit huh. but anyway okay. uh yeah, so he's well, Sound of Music. More importantly, is what he's focused on for some reason. I don't know. More importantly, if this movie were a soup, what kind of soup would it be? Mm-hmm. Now you gave it a plus, so it's going to be a you know good soup. Maybe your third, second, yeah, good a good soup. You know, I. But not your favorite soup. It's kind of hard because I don't have a lot of soups to choose from. Like since I've changed my diet, I, there's like two soups i've made maybe three if we're counting chilies (laughs) so so i make soup all the time i just soup is my go-to 
Yeah. It's a comfort food. Nothing wrong with it. I just don't do a lot of soup. I guess I'm just going to go with the potato soup, um, potato and leek soup, um, which is which mm. is great. Uh, my wife makes it. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It's right. vegetable give, stock. So I did get this. Vegetables good. Um, clearly, this movie is not my favorite soup. Right. Uh, so, sort of a lower tier soup that I still enjoy. Uh, I'm going to say this movie is an, a nice split pea soup it's not some. it's not a go-to for me but every once in a while you get that that hankering for a nice bowl of split pea soup you know I get that G- goes well with some sourdough you know you could see that you know the French love bread so they do uh, okay so two two thing I got some surprises for you I'm gonna do a segment called I got some surprises for you. Okay. Okay. One, I'm going to give you two movies that are also both French, and you can pick which one we're going to do next week. All right, sure. Okay. Uh, The second one, the second surprise, is my grandmother is passing away, (laughs) and I will be in town next week. Oh, awesome. I'll be there Tuesday to Friday. I realized that this week was your uh, spring break. Yeah. But uh, I can't control uh, an elderly person's health. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your grandmother's passing, for sure. Um, yeah, well, she hasn't passed yet. She's like on a, She got the news that she oh, okay. could very soon. Oh, okay. Wow, well, I'm glad. So we're talking... Yeah. Yeah, we're talking on her deathbed. You know, I'm going to... Go over there, hang out in the room for a half an hour, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I'll be there for three or four days. Well, yeah, maybe we should try to record an episode live then. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, so the two films I wanted to uh, put out there that I thought of during this movie, uh, one is Wild Grass by Renee. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It came out in like 2009. And it's also... We have a little bit of a theme going of just like movies that are a little bonkers. Uh, with Chung King and now this. And so I want to put Wild Grass on the table. Another very unpredictable movie. And then the other one, which I'm leaning towards this the next one but this is why i wanted to get your opinion on all this the other one is holy motors another particularly bonkers french movie okay i'm just looking at the posters of them right now Mm -hmm. okay i guess you don't want to tell me too much about them no yeah um Kind of my first go-to, though, is honestly, I'm kind of just based on the picture. I got to say Wild Grass looks kind of more interesting to me than Holy Motors. But it's your pick, so I'm totally fine going with either way, either one. Part of my decision-making probably would be the easiestness to find these films, too. So <laughs> so I guess I could, I could right. look that up, uh, too, that, which is really going to be... That's, that's mm. good. It looks like you can get... For like four bucks, Wild Grass is on Amazon, and 
far as streaming, uh, oh, it looks like on YouTube you can get Holy Motors for like two dollars. Okay, so both are pretty cheap to rent. Yeah. Ah. Um. Oh, you can watch Holy Motors for free on Pluto. Oh, really? Where? On Pluto. Oh, do you do you have that? It's just like a free server you just put on your computer. Oh. Well, then there you go. Yeah. Well, we can do that if you want. Because I do think, uh, I will say that although they're both, Wildgrass is funny, and it maybe is much more, I don't want to say like microbe and gasoline, but it's very French. Mm. Um, and, but there's a lot of really interesting, like, ways that he's fucking with stuff throughout it, because Renee always is, is a real... I can leave uh, soon, dear. I just gotta go pick up Vivian. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, you know what? Since Holy Motors is free, let's just do that. Because I think that's sort of more fun anyway. Oh, we kind of wanted to do Wild Grass. Alright. It's fine. Oh, well then we can do Wild <laughs> yeah, Grass. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you've seen them both. So we'll go Holy Motors. Right. It's fine. I can do, I can do either. Uh, I mean... I kind of do... do does Just from your description, though, I'm definitely more interested in Wild Grass. So... Do you want to do it? Oh, well, then let's do Wild Grass. Okay, let's do it. I feel like I like that goofy French thing a little bit more than... um... Yeah. I mean, the Holy Motors is also goofy French. Mm. Uh, It's very insane. Um, Okay. But yeah, both very very experimental. Um, I mean, I will say this. If... I feel like I will do Holy Motors at some point in the future, but if we didn't do Wild Grass, I wouldn't do it in the future. You know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't come come to mind. Okay. So easily, so let's do that. Oh, so that's an argument for Wild Grass? Yeah, because okay. otherwise I wouldn't do all right. it at all. All right, that's fine. Okay. All right, well, you gotta you have responsibilities of childbearing. Yeah, but it'll be so. fun. We'll go for a walk, um, hopefully, if it's not raining. Nice. Um, Okay, but yeah, this has been good. Episode over now. Now. Bye. (laughs)